Welcome to this Edge Church podcast. We are a people whose mission is to know Christ, be the church, and serve our community. We pray you are blessed and equipped by this message. I want to speak today on the faithfulness of God, but I want to open up with a scripture that was given to us as a church in 1994, it's in Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 to 13, as God speaks, Jesus speaks to the seven churches in the book of Revelation and He comes to this church, the church of brotherly love, the church of Philadelphia. And He says to them, I've opened a door before you that no man can shut. I remember where I was, I remember where I was praying when this Scripture came to me as a word for this house. And I wanna say this morning in the light of what I've just been sharing, that God has not shut the door. He's opening doors that no man can shut. That door is still open. God is building His church. And I wanna tell you, the future is in great hands. And there's some parts we have to play and we'll look at that, but I'm gonna read from verse seven of Revelation 3. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true. The one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do. And I've opened the door for you that no man can close. Now, when you read that and you stop there, you're gonna think, well, everything's gonna be unbelievable. But then you read the next passage of Scripture. You have little strength, but yet you've obeyed my word and did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love because you've obeyed my command to persevere. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them the new name. Anyone who hears, has ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the church. I know this can sound like a slogan, but I absolutely am convinced there's a new open door in 24. I really believe that this year there's an incredible open door not just for the church, but for, well, we are the church individually, for many, many people who many of you in this room felt 2023 was just one shut door after another. One shut door after another. And I believe He's the God of open door in 24. I believe He can do more than we've ever seen in 24. How do I say, why do I say that with confidence? Because God can be trusted. When He gives words like this, Nearly 30 years ago, I can tell you God can be trusted. The God that did it before can do it again. This year we need to trust in the faithfulness of God. He is faithful in every season of our lives. 
As I've already mentioned that next week will be eight years since our son went to be with heaven, uh, be in heaven. And it hurts like heck, but there's a peace, an underlining peace of God that words can't even describe in the midst of the pain. It's not just in me and my wife, it's in our whole family. And we have this absolute knowing that that peace comes from God. He shows up present in our lives post-trauma. I still hear His voice for messages. I still get prophetic words. I still ring people up during the week that were on my mind and they'll say, how did you know? That happened yesterday, again. The very things that were working before the trauma are still working today. He is a faithful God in every season. Believing in God's faithfulness must be an ongoing posture on our journey of faith. I know God is faithful because He's been faithful to me, but He's been faithful to us. Not gonna take long, but seven quick areas where God has been faithful to us, Edge Church. And I wanna remind us of it today. Number one, He's been faithful in His purpose. He's been faithful in His purpose. I have always believed that the will of God comes looking for us. When I handed this church over, I had no desire to lead it ever again, not that I'm leading it now, but to lead it again because I did at that time what the will of God came to me and told me to do. But in His faithfulness in this season, it's an absolute honour and privilege to come and coach through and father through. But I, I never sat down and go, what's my purpose in two years time? What's my purpose in five years time? I just wanna obey God every day. I don't live for outcomes, I live for obedience. And as I live in obedience today, He will take care of the outcomes. When I got cancer, I never thought I'd preach again. I could hardly make it to the bathroom. A few weeks ago, I went to South Africa and I thought, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. The body still plays up a bit, but He's faithful. He's faithful. And I just wanna say today, don't look for outcomes this year. Let's look for obedience and let His purpose, number one, come looking for us. The whole birth of this church started with Him. It started by being sent, not went. When my pastor sent me here to a little group at O'Halloran Hill, um, I came with the authority of being sent. Some people went without being sent, not good English, but you only have ability when you went, but you have authority when you're sent. There's a biblical authority. So I'm grateful that you can put your trust in the faithfulness of God today, that this vision was birthed by heaven. And I'm so grateful for that. The will of God comes looking for us. Number two, I'm grateful for His patterns. I'm a very fluid person. I, I'm all over the shop if you let me go. I, thoughts come and go and I, I, I live by my feelings. I'm a feeler. But God knowing that brought biblical patterns into my life to keep me within the boundaries of God's Word and those patterns were passed on to this church. I remember when God took me as I was studying through the book of Exodus and I was studying through the book of Exodus and then He showed me what I saw in Exodus in the New Testament in case you say, but that's all Old Testament, what I'm about to quote. I don't have time to go into the whole story because each passage, each point is a message. 
But I remember when God takes me to Exodus chapter 20 and we see the Ten Commandments and He says that is the pattern for life. Four upwards, six across. If we don't deal with God right, we won't deal with each other right. And that launched four up, six across, started our pattern for life. Exodus 21, our pattern for serving. And it was all about a love servant that could serve for six years. And then at the end, he could go free. But he says, but I love my master. I don't wanna go. It's an honour to stay and serve. And God said, don't look for people that have to. Look for people that love to and want to, that are love servants, not have to, obligated servant servants. They say most people get a seven year itch that after about six years of serving out of obligation, I've shared this many times, people wanna give up, they get tired. I was so encouraged walking in here this morning as I saw new faces that I didn't know and I asked them how long they were here and they're sharing their honour. I thanked them for serving because they were serving around the place. I said, absolute honour and pleasure, we love it. What a great feeling that is to know that we don't serve Jesus out of have to, but we serve Him out of love to because He's given us a pattern for life. He's given us a pattern for serving. In Exodus 25, we received a pattern for giving. That God wants givers that are willing, want to, want to serve, want to build the Kingdom. And so many stories this morning, sitting in our office upstairs with our board, needing a half a million dollars to move upstairs while we were still downstairs having a conversation about we can't afford to borrow it. We don't wanna go to the people and ask for more money because you know we come once a year with a a, a miracle offering for the house. And we're sitting there and I knew God had told me we needed to come upstairs. We'd run out of room downstairs. We weren't doing it out of greed. We were doing it out of a love for people. And we're having this conversation backwards and forwards and there's a knock at the door while we're having a board meeting. And outside is a gentleman with his two children saying, God sent me to come here and handed me a cheque for half a million dollars. Some of you are new to this church, you don't know these stories. This church was never built on good ideas. It was built on God direction and God provision. And I wanna tell you today that He is faithful, but I'm grateful for people that didn't come and give out of obligation, but out of a revelation that it was an honour to do that. In Exodus 26, there is a a pattern for building on how the temple was built and God gave us patterns on how to build Edge Church, eight non-negotiable atmospheres given to us by God. They were patterns that came out of Scripture as we were seeking the Lord and those things became something that came into fruition and people came into this place and could feel those atmospheres. Some of you will remember Pastor Don McDonnell. I'm on his board. I've only recently come on his board. He's in Auckland, New Zealand. They've just been through two major floods. Their building got absolutely gutted and they had to meet in high schools and yet they're back in their building, miracle after miracle. But I remember him preaching here the very first time. He's only preached here once. And he walked in and as he saw the church and the people, he said, I feel like the Queen of Sheba coming to see what Solomon had built to the glory of God. And he actually, we're in Hindley Street at the time and the whole congregation in Hindley Street that they went, ah! Because he had no idea that we'd built this house on the story of the Queen of Sheba 
coming to see what Solomon had built for the glory of God. I wanna tell you, when God builds the house, there's clarity. There's clarity that comes when God builds the house. In Exodus chapter 28, we see a pattern for leadership. This is a big one today in our Western world where the priests, Aaron's sons, the priests had to be set apart for godly use, not set up. A lot of people get set up. Hey, do you know where there's a church? I had a guy come to my house one day, sat in my house and said, I'm ready to pastor a church. I said, okay, has God called you? He goes, I believe He is. I'm an evangelist, but I believe I'm called to plant a church. And he says, but I won't take anything under 3,000. I mean, can I say it? I've said it, I haven't said it for a long time. How dumb can you be and still breathe? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I won't take anything under 3,000. Who do you think you are? This is not a contract. This is not starting a new business. That's not buying a, 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 a shop. It's the Kingdom of God and God sets people apart, not sets them up. And the priests had to be set apart. They had shoulder pads with the names of the tribes on their shoulders and they had a breastplate over their heart and that is shield over their back so they could do leadership by carrying people on their shoulders in their heart and a, and a cover over their back because the arrows come from the back. It's not an easy road. Pastors are resigning. I'm not, please, I'm not patronising you or, or making you feel bad, sorry. But I in touch around the world daily. People are resigning, pastors are resigning because now we have multimedia. You say one thing in a sermon that someone disagrees with you and they just attack you all over social media. So people are going, do I wanna do this for the rest of my life? But if you've been set apart, you can't say no. And it's not a have to, it's a want to and a love to. Number three, God's been faithful by giving us peace in the pain. I mentioned our son's story, but boy, as a church over the years, have we been through times of pain. But I can tell you, I don't sit home and dwell in the pain, but I dwell in the goodness of God. He is faithful that even in the pain, we come through with His purpose at work. Number four, He's been faithful in His promises. God gave this church promises right from the start. From the birth of this church, we received Isaiah 49. And we won't go through it today because many of you know the story, but I'll just give you the points. I remember, and many of you could recite it back to me, that I was in Mount Gambia. I'd been asked to come and take the leadership of this church. And I was praying and God gave me Isaiah 49 in the pastor's office in the little church in Mount Gambia. And in Isaiah 49, it says that we would restore Israel. We would reach the Gentiles. We would respond to the nations and we would have a kingdom focus through community transformation. Well, my question is, has those things happened? I don't know if you're aware, but the first four or five years, apart from one or two, Karen being one of them, that became one of our first converts back then in 1994. But you would agree for the first five years, it was predominantly people coming from broken religion. People were coming into the church that had, had an upbringing in the Anglican church or, or the Baptist church that had some Christian knowledge, but they didn't walk with Jesus with clarity. 
And God brought a whole lot of people in and they didn't come in because they were disgruntled, they were hungry. And we found a whole lot of people come in, restore Israel is restoring the people of God. And then it says, you will go to the Gentiles, the people outside the family of God. And people started coming in. After the first five years, people started coming to faith from all walks of life. And I still get stopped in shopping centres today and said, you know, I gave my life to Jesus in 1996 at Edge Church. And it absolutely uh, makes every pain worthwhile. Restore Israel, reach the Gentiles and respond to the nations. Uh, The miracle of what God did in nations overseas. And for a long time, we visited England as a church. We ministered across England as an eldership. We went right across the nation of England, teaching on team, the apostolic anointing. And then God supernaturally gave us Bristol. And Bristol, some of you don't know me, but I want you to know that you are not just a good idea, you're a God idea. And Bristol Church was birthed by the Spirit of God. And just like um, John Wesley had that wonderful mission to build according to God's method. That's where the Methodist Church came from. God gave us a pattern, which means the same thing. And I remember uh, Tim Costello, who used to be the leader of World Vision, walking into Bristol one day. And he said, this is like John Wesley. I feel like you're gonna continue the work that he begun. So Bristol this morning, be encouraged that we're not just in a good idea, we're in something that was birthed by God. I think we ought to give God praise and thank you for that. Number five, God's been faithful in His power. I'm not a visionary by nature. So I've never been the sort of guy, what are we gonna do in five years? How many churches are we gonna have around the world? What are we gonna do here? What are we gonna, that's not how I'm wired, but I'm so grateful for the supernatural power of God that He comes and puts something in you that is supernatural and then that becomes the vision. That becomes what drives you, the thing that God put in your heart. Again, talking a bit about Bristol today, but my mind goes back to meeting some of you that are watching me now in a cafe in Bristol when God had told us to start. We had no money, we had nothing. And a small group of people, some of you in the room, handed over a whole lot of money. I think it was over 700,000 pounds to say we believe a church is gonna be started here and we wanna partner in that. And today you're living in a debt-free, I believe, building because of the faithfulness of God to those amazing people in that cafe. I'm so grateful to God. Which brings me to number six, God's been faithful in His provision. Financially, I'm... I'm not good at setting financial goals and stuff like that. I mean, I'm, I'm into stewardship, but God has provided after we've been faithful in our stewardship, He's provided. And again, Edge Church, thank you. Thank you for all the years of giving to every mission, the hundreds of children. First time in the history of Bulawayo in Africa where kids didn't die of cholera was because of this church partnering in Bulawayo to dig wells and put in sanitation in that place because of your faithfulness. And that is an absolute fact that I'm telling you today. How good is God? How faithful is God? And how grateful are we as leaders for your faithfulness as God's people? And number seven, he's been faithful with his presence. His presence. 
We can't do it without His presence. And all I could put it into words is just knowing that God is present. Remember driving down this, is it O'Canahan's Road just up here? Crying all the way from home, Flagstaff Hill to church to a prayer meeting. Because at that stage, we thought our son was gonna die. And we put on a prayer meeting in this room to pray for everybody's brokenness, not just ours. And it was a time of incredible confusion. And I just about get to the lights and the Holy Spirit, according to His presence, puts these words in my heart. I need humility. I need hunger. I need holiness. I need a heart for the broken. And I need honour back in my church. I don't just come up with that. And again, I'm not trying to be self-serving today. I'm grateful for His presence. I used to say it all the time. I'm a menswear salesman from a menswear store in Victoria Square Arcade. I used to sell underpants with sleeves. That's what the Italians used to call them, long underpants. You sell underpants with the sleeves? I didn't know this was going to happen. We came to a handful of people in a room at Marion Road on a Monday night, first night, 20 people. Second night, we had a barbecue, 100, free barbecue. The third night, back down to 20. And it was like that for a while. My wife was a singer. Our kids played instruments they'd never played before. And part of you goes, where's this gonna go? And here we are today, by the faithfulness of God. God, and if He does it for Edge Church, He wants to do it for your family. He wants to do it for your personal life. He wants to do it in our church right now. This is a time, this is not a, a pep up talk. This is a conviction right now that I have in this week. It hasn't left me. It's been reminding me day after day. This is a time to rise up in faith and trust again in the faithfulness of God. I know it sounds simple, very simple, but I have to say today, I just trust God. When this church went through challenge a few weeks ago, Oh, the pain inside my gut, the tears, the confusion. Why, Lord? But it's not the Lord's fault. He's faithful. But in the midst of the confusion, something happened to me. I hope I can get it across to you today. Is I discovered I'm responsible for my own peace. You are responsible for your own peace. Sometimes we want from church what church will never give us. Because at the end of the day, Christianity has to be personal, not just corporate. What are we gonna do if that doesn't happen? What are we gonna do if we don't? You're not doing that. I'm not saying you're doing that. But you know, what are we gonna do if that doesn't happen? What's gonna happen? Trust God. Trust God. Now, don't trust God if we're sitting on our hands doing nothing, because that's an excuse but to say, trust God because He's faithful. And because of what we've just been through, there's been some horrendous personal attacks on my own life and my family through culture, not through Edge Church, but through people in the culture, not knowing stories and then just attacking. What do you do? Your flesh says, I wish I'd never touched it. But the Holy Spirit says, why not? It's God's church. And we're in this thing together. And then I'm responsible for my own peace. And I wanna tell you, once you get to that place, 
that you know you're right with God. What's said is not, when something is said about you and me, when something is said about us, our first response should be, is it true? I've mentioned this before, is it true? If it's true, we need to repent, we need to put things right and we need to always repair. We've got to be humble. If we've done something wrong, we've got to be humble. But if we haven't done the wrong thing and we're accused by it, we find our own peace with God and go, God, you know the truth. And I know God won't always vindicate me or you, but He does vindicate truth in the end. I've seen it over 30 years. And I want to say to you today, God can be trusted. You're very quiet on me, but God can be trusted. This is an all in time across the world for true followers of Jesus. Mark Batterson wrote a book called All In. I've quoted from it many times over the years. He writes, Jesus didn't die to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous. Faithfulness is not holding the fort. It's storming the gates of hell. The will of God is not an insurance plan. It's a daring plan. The complete surrender of your life to the cause of Christ. When we are born into this world, the world revolves, uh, uh, sorry, isn't radical, it's normal. When we are born into this world, the world revolves around us. We are spoon fed on the front end and diaper changed on the back end. It says the entire world exists to meet our every need. And that's fine if you're only two months old, but if you're 22, it's a problem. Friends, God doesn't want us to repeat the behaviour of the past generations or the past stories we read with the children of Israel in the Bible. And just, just for a minute, I'd like the musicians to come back, but just for a moment, I wanna read from Exodus 14, 10 to 14, because the Holy Spirit has been showing me something, I want you to judge it. And He said to me, I believe that the Western church is more like the wilderness church than the New Testament church. And God is bringing us back to the New Testament model. He really is. As Pharaoh approached the people of Israel, they looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this, wouldn't, this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord Himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. What an incredible Scripture where the people are going bunta. They're going crazy. The people had no hope. They were negative and angry with leadership. Moses in return doesn't say, don't pick on me, it's not my fault. He turns around and goes, I'm gonna show you love. I'm gonna reassure you and I have faith for the future. You see, you're not gonna be able to write this down, but I'll go through it because of time. The wilderness church was selfish, greedy, self-promoting, faithless, demanding, attacking, lack of trust, murmuring, 
complaining and dishonouring. Now, we, we don't feel that here, so please understand, I'm not using the ministry of hints right now. This is just what happened right here in the Old Testament. But listen to this, the New Testament church, and can I say, only the first three or four chapters and then they went crazy too. Because the truth of God's Word has to be repeated over and over again. The New Testament church was amazing until you get to 1 Corinthians and they're all punching each other's lights out. And so it's important to understand that even in the New Testament church, they went into wilderness patterns if we don't pull ourselves up all the time. Thank God for the Apostle Paul that kept instructing them. But the New Testament church was selfless, not selfish. Giving, not greedy. Self-denying, not self-promoting. Faithful, not faithless. Devoted, not demanding. Affirming, not attacking. Full of trust, not lack of trust. Ministering, not murmuring. Confirming, not complaining. Honouring, not dishonouring. The Western church has been more like the wilderness church than the early church in the New Testament. But the good news is God is faithful and He's opening doors and He's bringing us back to the place of the New Testament model all over the world right now. There are so many pastors needing encouragement right now because they think we're just gonna continue to be the Old, Old Testament wilderness church, but we're not. And so I wanna close today back with our opening Scripture, Revelation 3, 7. I've opened a door before you that no man can shut. But every promise of God requires our response. Every promise of God requires our cooperation. And right here, the Church of Philadelphia is the only church, I think there's another one, out of the seven churches that are not being told off for anything. They're just being honoured by God. This church is being honoured. It says, He that overcomes, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go out no more. That's because earthquakes used to hit Philadelphia and people used to have to run out of their homes so they wouldn't get killed. And He says, But he that overcomes, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go out no more. Can you imagine that stability from God? But it only happened to this church because of four things. And I honestly wanna thank you, Edge Church, because I see these things, especially at Renella. But I do see, and I'm sure it's happening in Melbourne and also in Bristol. But I wanna say, and, and Finder might as well mention all of them. But anyway, um, four things that I can see, especially in our mother house. It says, I've opened a door before you in verse eight that no man can shut. I know the works you do. And proper interpretation of that Scripture is I know that you're staying in brotherly love. The Church of Philadelphia was a church, the word Philadelphia means brotherly love. And so Jesus speaks to this church, number one, and says, I've opened a door before you that no man can shut because of your brother and brotherly love. Verse eight, you have little strength. That speaks of resilience. So number one, relationship. Number two, resilience. Thank you, Edge Church. I walk into this place and I see people that are here. I did a wedding last Sunday of someone from this church and last time I saw them, they were kids. And now they're getting married, still in the house of God. And it just touches my heart that people can stay in relationship, stay in resilience. And number three, stay in revelation. You've obeyed my Word, verse eight. You've obeyed my Word, stay in revelation. And then verse eight again, 
you did not deny me, which is resolve. A people of relationship, a people of resilience, a people of revelation and a people of resolve will always have open doors, absolutely open doors. I'm so grateful today. All week I've been praying. In fact, can we bow our heads right now? There are people all over this room this morning in this service, and there'll be some in the next, that you have felt till now, till the end of 23, it's been one shut door after another. In fact, you feel like doors have been slammed in your face. And I wanna tell you, if you commit to those four things, stay in relationship, stay in revelation, stay in resolve, stay in resilience. Let me tell you, every open door in the New Testament that I can find was met with opposition. The Apostle Paul, every open door, but there are many adversaries. Some of you have been through adversary after adversary and can't remember the last time you felt this incredible open door and it's about to change. It's about to shift, not because it's a new year, but because it's a new era in God. And if that's you, lift up your hand. I'm gonna pray for you today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you all over the room today. Father, I pray for our brothers and sisters today. Lord, I thank You today that You don't open it just for the church corporate vision, but You open it for all our lives because we are Your church. And I pray, Lord, I prophesy this morning, testimonies coming back of open door, clarity in the area of business, clarity in the area of relationships, clarity in the area of destiny. There are many in this room this morning and you are questioning whether you should change your career, whether you should change the path of what you do for the future. And I'm gonna pray that God will open doors and that clarity will come. And if that's you, I'd like you to slip up your hand. I'm gonna pray for you. Wow, wow, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, many hands. Father, today I thank You. Please, Lord, put it in the heart of these dear people today that as they obey You daily, stay in revelation, stay in relationship, stay in resilience, stay in resolve, that Lord, You will look after the outcome. And the Lord would say to those of you that have raised your hand, it's okay to knock on a door, just don't push it down. And as you knock, God will open the door from the other end if it's Him. If it's not Him, He will gently shut it. And God is gonna give you clarity and we're gonna hear the testimonies in 2024. The God of Open Door in 24, and there is more in 24. Some of you have been battling with issues. You've been battling with anger. You've been battling with other, other issues of dependence on things. And it comes to an end today if you are willing to partner with God. And you can start a journey today of freedom and breakthrough. Father, I thank You that You're faithful. You're faithful. And why don't we stand today and why don't we just sing that song again? God had put that song on my heart during the week. So let's sing that before Karen comes. Thank you. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Find more resources and discover what's next for you at edgechurch.com.